Hello, and welcome to Joy Christian Community Church. Each week we strive to bring you Bible-based, Christ-centered teaching so that you will grow alive, deep, and bold in the love and knowledge of Jesus. And now, here's Pastor Clayton with this week's message. It's a new year, right? Happy New Year! Christmas Eve and all the stuff leading up to it. I mean, all Christmas and all the stuff leading up to Christmas Eve. And all of a sudden there's Christmas Day and this beautiful thing. And then pretty quickly it fades, doesn't it? Getting back to kind of normal. Churches has once been full with everybody that you haven't seen all year long. Now kind of shrinks back down a little bit. And uh, in kind of that spirit, I have to admit, I wondered, what happened to the wise men? Did you ever wonder that one? Whatever happened to the wise men? I mean, we know from our, our reading, they traveled, they took a long time, they came to Judea, they, they came to Bethlehem, and they saw the baby Jesus, and they worshiped him. And then they left. And we never hear from them again. Now we know we, they were told to leave by a different way, but, but we never hear about them anymore. And I kind of wonder, did it make a difference in their lives at all? I mean, they came to worship him, right? But then after that, were they like, yeah, well, that was nice. Cool. What do you say, guys? You know, um, how about we do it next year? But right now, I got to go back. Look, I got a job. I know. It's stuff I got to do. And the wife wants to do some remodeling. And this camel, I got to trade that camel in. You know? So maybe once a year, how about we do that? You know, do, do you ever wonder about that? I mean, that's kind of how a lot of Christians go, too. It's like, ah, oh, we did that. And now, yeah, let's just go back to normal. Did the birth of Christ make a difference in their lives, in your life. So I thought this year, it would be a good year to start a new year, a new year in serving the Lord because of who Jesus is, because of his salvation through him and him alone. We are to serve him. And we too need to be refreshed and renewed in serving the Lord. So to help us understand what it means to serve the Lord, we're going to go to the book of Joshua. We're going to go back to the Old Testament. And I need to give you a little bit of context regarding this. Joshua is near the, near the very end of his life. And he has now gathered the nation of Israel in the area, the city of Shechem. Shechem was a very important city in the Old Testament. It's the original location where God told Abraham he was going to give him the land of Canaan. It's also where, they, where Joshua and the Israelites, they renewed the covenant that God had made with them. They read the Torah, the law, and it was a renewing of God's word. Shechem was where God met man. Now, chapter 23, 24, near the end of Joshua's life. 
and he's gathered the nation of Israel around. And he tells them about all the wonderful things that the Lord has done for Israel. He chose them. He redeemed them. He guided them. He gave them everything they had, including the food and water. Everything came from the Lord. This is what Joshua has told the nation of Israel. And now he says this. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Faithfulness. So I love how Joshua starts this off. Now therefore. And you remember, anytime there's a therefore, you have to ask, what's the therefore? Therefore. therefore. We've got to try that again. What's the therefore? therefore. There, oh, all right. All right. I won't push it any further. But you do. And so he says, because of what the Lord has done for you, he says, now, now, therefore. And he's not laying them a, a guilt trip on them at all. This, that's not it. He's saying, because the Lord has been so gracious and so loving and so steadfast with you, how will you serve him? See, this is a question that we don't often get asked, and we don't often ask others. In essence, he's saying, how will you live? How, sorry, back up here. I'll try it again. He's saying, what will you do in response to God's great love, mercy, and grace? What will you do in response to love, God's great love, mercy, and grace? How often do you get asked that question? Ever? It's, we would be deer in the headlight with that sort of question. Let me give you a different sort of question, very similar though. It is this, how will you live in response to God's great love, mercy, and grace given to you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? That's the question for you today. How will you live in response to God's great love, mercy, and grace given to you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? It's a question to ponder, isn't it? So, luckily, Joshua gives us a few clues in this. He says, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in all sincerity and faithfulness. That's the key sentence. Everything else flows from that one. Now fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and faithfulness. So there's three parts to it. The first one is to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to honor him with the greatest reverence. That's what we've got. To honor him with the greatest reverence. Reverence is deep, abiding awe and worship. It is to know God at such a deep level that you would come and worship, giving him praise and thanksgiving. And it's just more than just a feeling, though, because a lot of people just want to say, well, to fear the Lord, that's just a feeling. But it's more than that. It's a call to action. See, how many of you... <laughs> I'm not going to actually ask you to raise your hand. How many of you love your spouse? 
Everybody be like, you better get up that hand. You love your spouse, right? But if your spouse says something like, will you please take out the garbage? And all you do is say, I love you. (laughs) Right? There's a little disconnect in that. So Joshua says this, you are to fear the Lord and to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord is a verb. It is an action. It is not just an intent. You understand what I'm saying, right? It's not just an intent. It is an action. I've shown a video in the youth group, and I want to show it here. I think it uh, shows in a very humorous way what this means. Yeah, to love Jesus is to obey his commandments. There's an action in serving him. It's not just sitting in our faith. It is being alive in our faith. Now, the third part of what Joshua said is also uh, in sincerity and faithfulness. A literal translation would say integrity and truth, which is meaning without blemish, complete, full, perfect, without spot, undefiled, upright, whole. That's, whoa, whoa, who made that New Year's resolution? But yet we are called to holiness. We are called in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 10 says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your own good. So God calls us to action, not just to sit, but for action. Now, by the way, without blemish, complete, full, perfect, without spot, undefiled, whole, upright, I can't keep that. There's no way. That's why we ask to be empowered through the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus day by day. That's also why we go to the cross again and again and again and again, confessing our sins, receiving his forgiveness, being strengthened in our faith through him and him alone. So when Joshua says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him with all sincerity and faithfulness. He's making, he's saying there's a choice to be made. And the choice is to follow God or some other gods. He says, put away the gods of your fathers that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He's saying you got to make a choice here. It's either God and all God or anything else is other gods. Anything else, and we would say the desires of your heart which are not God are your gods, that you fixate on that. He's saying, choose this day. Now, some people would say, well, look, isn't that just the Old Testament? No, it's the New Testament, too. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 6? He says, no one can serve two masters, 
for he, he, he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will de- be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. In this case, money being another God, lowercase g. So the contrast is clear. And it's a choice. Choose you this day. So the question for you this morning in this new year is, all right, what other gods do you need to put away? What other gods do you need to put away? Things that consume you so much that take your attention away from God alone. That's what Joshua is telling That's what Joshua is asking the Israelites. That's what the Lord asks for each one of these, each and every one of us. And then Joshua says something that we uh, are very familiar, familiar with. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many people have that in their own homes? Couple? I love that one. A lot of people have it. I love that saying. But the thing is, unless you understand everything else that we said beforehand, it becomes this nice little saying that doesn't really have much impact, that really doesn't guide your life. Joshua's saying, I'm making a choice. I'm all in for the Lord. So if I ask you, are you all in for the Lord? Well, you're in church. You'd be like, well, yeah, okay. Well, here's what the Israelites did. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us again and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed and the Lord drove us out before all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. I mean, that's quite a statement, isn't it? They recount all of this stuff. They're saying, of course, we are going to serve the Lord. Now imagine, we're in a large stadium. It's an evangelical crowd and the, the preacher's really just on top of it and preaching and everything. And he says, are you going to serve Jesus? And they all say, yes, we will serve Jesus. And don't you think the preacher would say, hallelujah, amen. And that would be it, right? Joshua doesn't do that. He says something very, very different. He says, you are not able to serve the Lord. For he is a holy God, and he is a jealous God, and he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Can you imagine you're in that large stadium? All the people said, yes, we will serve the Lord, we will serve Jesus. And the pastor says, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Kind of pulls you up short a little bit, doesn't it? Like, what's going on here? What Joshua is doing really in essence says, you don't fully understand the Lord whom you say you will serve. 
look, in Christianity, we get a lot of people who are just followers. We, I mean, just like, you know, fair weather fans, so to speak. They'll follow and be in a church as long as it doesn't get rough at all. But once it gets rough or once you have an argument with somebody or, or once the pastor doesn't say something you don't like or, or any of that, then I, I'm done. And that misses the whole point. It's the Lord you're serving. And Joshua says, you don't understand the depth of the Lord your God. He talks about that God is a jealous God, that he is holy, that he is pure, he is undefiled. And when we say a jealous God, we are not talking a petty emotion here. We are talking a protectiveness of his holiness and the relationship he has with each one of you. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. And you understand that too. Look, if you're married, would you say, hey, honey, think I can date somebody while we're married? You'd see some jealousy there rise up, wouldn't you? Because there would be that protectiveness. It's like, what are you talking about? So when we talk about the jealousy of God, if the Lord burns with jealousy for his people, and he does, he is set on protecting them by his holy character of love. So, Joshua pulls the people up short. He says, wait a minute. The God that you just glibly say you're going to follow, do you know the Lord? Do you know his sovereignty, his majesty, his jealousy for you, his holiness. In our uh, education hour, we're going through the Apostles' Creed, and we just covered the second article, which is Jesus is Lord. And so I asked people, what does Lord mean? You know, because we say that, right? Jesus is Lord. And we say that like it doesn't connect with us anymore. Jesus is Lord. He is holy. He is sovereign. He is Savior. He is Redeemer. He is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. He is the Alpha and Omega. All of that together when you say, Lord. So when I am asking you, how will you serve Jesus, the Lord, this year? There's a depth to it. It's not a New Year's resolution like we normally think about New Year's resolutions. I found this online and I kind of liked it. New Year's resolutions. One, exercise 20, 30, 5, 10, um, just think about it, five seconds. Lose five, uh, 20, uh, five ounces. Eat more vegetable salads. Let, nope, just eat more. And watch less, just watch less. I mean, how long, how long do New Year's resolutions normally last? You know, maybe two, three weeks if you're lucky. They don't last very long. And most of our resolutions, if we're honest, often look something like that. You know, and we do that with our faith too. This year I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to do this every day. And uh, oh, you know what? I, I, I got to go to the store and run some errands. And uh, I need my first cup of coffee first. And you know, it just goes in. And that's how often our resolutions with the Lord work. 
the trouble with New Year's resolutions and the trouble with resolutions with God is that they are often law-based, like more rules. You know, if we just had more rules, we would be able to follow our faith better. But that doesn't work. Look, if rules alone could change your life, then the law of God would have been enough. If rules alone would have changed your life and your relationship with God, then the law itself would have been sufficient. Following the Ten Commandments, but we don't even do that. How long, do you remember Moses and the Israelites? How long did it take before they turned away from the Lord? Moses went up the mountain, came back down, they're worshiping a golden calf. Right? Happened almost overnight. So, the people said to Joshua, though, they pushed back. He said, no, they said, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witness against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. So this was a solemn vow that they made. He said, Joshua said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And here we get the essence of what it means in serving the Lord. It is to incline your heart. To incline your heart is just more than a feeling of God. It is to want to do something for God. It is when you recognize the great love and mercy that God has given us through Jesus Christ. It's when you actually, the, the gospel grabs your heart. The gospel grabs your heart. And you want to follow the Lord. See, without the gospel, we are just a church of laws. And it doesn't work. Are you impelled? Are you compelled by the gospel? And here's, in very simple terms, here's how it works. And you've got it on your, um, your sermon notes on the back page. God loves us. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And when we realize that and the depth of God's love in Christ Jesus for us, we love, we love him back. That's the gospel message. And when we are filled with the gospel, the gospel message and love him, we want to serve him. That's the only way it can go. It can't go backwards. You can't serve in order to try to love, in order that hopefully God will love you. It doesn't work that way. It only flows from God's love to your service. That's how it goes. And here it is. A heart inclined to God and filled by the gospel of Jesus moves you to action. If you are not moved to action in some way, shape, or form in your faith, I would suggest to you the gospel has not grabbed your heart. Let me give you a brief story here. A fellow named Alfred Robert Tucker. He was born in 1849, grew up in the Lake District of England. Following his family's footsteps, he became an artist and exhibited in the Royal Academy. That's pretty prestigious, Royal Academy. One day he was painting a picture of a poor woman thinly clad, 
pressing a babe to her bosom, wandering homeless on a stormy night in the dark, deserted street. As the picture grew, the artist suddenly threw down his brush, exclaiming, instead of merely painting the lost, I will go out and save them. He ultimately ended up going to Africa and became a bishop in Africa. See, there's that moment that he had where through the Holy Spirit, he was enlightened by the gospel and moved by the gospel to live out his faith, to take action. So the question this morning is, and I want you to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself this question, how will I serve Jesus this year? This is what uh, our reading ends with. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statues and rules for them at Shechem. How will you serve Jesus this year? Well, the first thing you need to do is you need to pray for the Holy Spirit to incline your heart towards Jesus and his gospel. The first step is prayer and praying to be enlivened, to be quickened by the Holy Spirit. And then specifically ask, ask Jesus how you may serve him. Ask in prayer, Jesus, how may I serve you this year? Now, there are, if you want some more specific things, remember, I haven't told you exactly how you should serve. This is how you are inclined by the heart, taken by the gospel to serve him. But there are three areas that you can take a look at. Jesus, how can I grow alive in love for you? Jesus, how can I grow deeper in my faith in following you day by day? Jesus, how may I grow bold in my faith? These are questions to ask yourself. And then, just as Joshua with the Israelites wrote them down and they held each other accountable, tell somebody. Get an accountability partner or a small group or person and tell them the promise you have made. This raises the stakes a little bit, doesn't it? If you want, I'll be your accountability partner. But have somebody tell them, this is how I'm going to serve the Lord. Will you help me in this regard? And the final thing is then, each day, pray. Pray and ask the Lord what actions you can do to serve him. This is far simpler and far more powerful than people imagine. Who will you serve this year? Will you serve Jesus? How will you do that? Amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com. God's peace and joy in Christ Jesus be with you.